0: On, please. Uh, there was a, um, a bit of a stir recently. Next uh, picture about uh, the, the magazine, uh, Intelligent Life magazine, as uh, Kate Blanchett was pictured with her actual face. And, and, and here's this really ripe old woman of 42 <laughs> revealing smile lines and wrinkles. And it caused a bit of a stir. Because what we normally see is uh, the front cover of this month's Harper's Bazaar magazine of, of the very same Lady Kate. And, uh, but, but no wrinkles, uh, no marks like that. There is silky smooth porcelain skin. Now how is this done? How is this done? Well, it is the power of good makeup and then digital editing as the power of Photoshop just smooths all that out. But the question I want to ask is, why, why do the magazines and adverts that we look at, why do they all do the, the second picture? Why do we like life without the wrinkles, without the aging skin and the blemishes? And I think it is simply this, is that we don't want to be reminded that we're dying. We don't want to be reminded that we're dying. That's what the aging process is, isn't it? It is a gradual decay of the body towards death. Here are the statistics. I looked them up this week. Every two seconds, somebody... uh, Every second, two people die in the world. Every second. Think about that. Every second, two people die in the world. That is 120 people every minute. 720 people every hour. That is over 172,000 people every day they die. Now we just don't like to talk about death. We just don't want to uh, really consider it. We want our uh, our models to look perfect and immortal in the magazines. Uh, There's one person who does doesn't mind talking about death, and that's Woody Allen. Here's a couple of quotes from Woody Allen. I'm sure you've heard this one. He says this, it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) But in a more serious moment, this is what he said, the fundamental thing behind all motivation and all activity is the constant struggle against death it is absolutely stupefying in its terror and it renders anyone's accomplishments meaningless. Death is the fundamental issue that overshadows all of our lives. And in the time it took me to do that introduction, another 120 people died. So what does God have to say about this? Well, please open your Bibles again uh, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you'll find this, if you haven't got a Bible with you, just grab a church Bible on page 1,155. 1,155. And follow along with me as I read this part of God's Word. I'm going to start reading on the right-hand column, right next to the big number 15 there. This was a a letter written by the Apostle Paul in A.D. fifty to Christians living in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And and as I read this, I want you to notice with me what he reminds them never to forget. There's something he reminds them never to forget. So see what it is. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but... By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Now keep your Bibles open because we're going to be working through this passage this morning. So what was, what was it that they were told never to let go of? Did you notice it? It's right there in verse 1. Do you see it? It's described as the gospel. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. Gospel is a word that simply means news. Uh, it's, it's a message, The Apostle Paul had proclaimed to them this news, this message, which they had received and accepted. And that's very simply what a a Christian is. A Christian is somebody who's heard this message of the gospel and believed it and have taken their stand on it. Just as those in uh, Corinth had done. They had staked their lives and their reputation on this news. Uh, They had linked their status and their hopes to this message. Uh, It now defined them as someone, as people who are new and different. Um, They had taken their stand on the gospel. And why had they done that? Why is this message uh, so important? Why should we bother considering it today? Well, look at verse 2. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So we're all facing the reality of death. And beyond death, the Bible says we will face God our judge. And here is news of how we can be saved. That's what's going on here. This is news of how we can be saved. A few years ago, I watched a movie called The Guardian, and it was about the uh, US Coast Guard rescue team uh, who fly out uh, over dangerous uh, weather conditions to rescue people kind of uh, in stricken vessels uh, at sea. And I'm sure you've all seen images of this. A helicopter uh, lowers uh, a rescuer on a winch and a cable. He goes down into the sea. He swims to the person who is sort of uh, struggling, floundering in this uh, deadly sea, and he puts a harness on them. And then they get winched back up to the helicopter, into safety. And whenever I read verse 2, that's the imagery that I think of. The Apostle Paul had come to them and shared the gospel, which is a bit like that harness. And he'd, he'd, he'd attach them to their salvation, This harness of the gospel. And they grabbed hold of it. They'd received it. They they were trusting it. They were saved. They were uh, being saved as they held fast to the one thing that could save them. And Paul was reminding them of this truth because he was urging them never to let go of it. Because some of them were in danger of letting go of this message. You see, if, if, if the one being rescued chooses to detach himself from that line, then he's lost. He, he, he's going to fall back into that deadly sea. And if you let go of the gospel, then you're letting go of salvation. The fact that you had initial confidence in it, that you actually put your trust in it to begin with, is all rendered null and void if you let go of it. So I want to ask you this morning, are you holding fast to the gospel? Have you received it? Are you believing it? Have you taken your stand on the gospel? Are you holding fast to the gospel this is the gospel that saves that's my first point this morning never let go of the gospel that saves but what's the content of this gospel that saves what was the message that paul preached them were well, the answers in verses three and four for what i received i passed on to you as of first importance this is the most important thing Do you want to know the most important thing about christianity here it is in verse three and now, before I, I, we get onto the content of it, I want to just knock something on the head. I, I hear this uh, being bandied around uh, in, in society, and I want to just knock this on the head. It is this view of Christianity that sees that somehow, yes, Jesus was a special sort of guy. And then over time, stories about him just got passed down generation after generation. And they got bigger and bigger and bigger. Or there's another version of this that says, well, yeah, Jesus was one thing. And then Paul came along and he he came up with a whole new religion. uh, A whole new thing separate to that. And I want to say to you, that's clearly nonsense from these verses. Um, Verse 3 is an important verse for showing us that that is wrong. Because we're reading something here that's one of the earliest Christian writings. Do you realize that? 1 Corinthians is probably written around A.D. 50. A.D. 50. Think about that. That is just 20 years after the events that he's speaking of. 20 years. That is nothing. Think about us now. What what happened 20 years ago? Well, if you've been opening the, the newspapers, if you've been listening to the news you'll be reminded that 20 years ago we had the Balkan crisis. 20 years ago there was that uh, terrible fight that happened between the Serbs and the Bosnians. We saw the the demolishing of cities, uh, thousands of people losing their lives in that Balkan crisis 20 years ago. Yesterday I heard a report by Jeremy Bowen um, from our correspondent and he was a war correspondent in Sarajevo. An eyewitness of these very events, vividly telling the stories of what took place. In fact, he was saying that three times he's been asked to appear before the war crimes tribunal at The Hague to give his eyewitness testimony of evidence of genocide in uh, this conflict. 20 years ago is nothing when we're talking about extraordinary events. And these apostles had witnessed the most extraordinary events. And Paul is able to say that um, the gospel that he preached to them was something that he had received from them. This is not something he even came up with. He received eyewitness historical events that he, he then went on and carefully passed on to them. So back to the original question. What is the content of the gospel that saves? What's the gospel that Paul preached? Well, there it is, verse 3. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the message that saves. This is the message we just hold on to. And it's all about Jesus Christ, isn't it? Specifically about his death, his burial... And that he was raised from the dead. This is what Paul preached to them. And it is the same gospel that I want to commend to you today. I think this is the most important news. And it is is unchanging significance. And that's why uh, uh, we're, we're proclaiming it today just as Paul did back in Corinth. And notice with me that the death of Jesus was all according to God's plan, and that's seen in that repeated phrase, according to the Scriptures, meaning the Hebrew Scriptures, the the Jewish Bible, which is the first part of our Christian Bibles. In many places, the life and the ministry of Jesus, His death and His resurrection were predicted and promised hundreds of years before his earthly life. We read one of them in Psalm 16. The psalmist David says, you will not let your holy one see decay. And uh, David uh, did die and his body did decay because he was talking about the coming Christ that would not, Jesus. And the Bible is full of these promises written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. And the apostles said, look, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised according to the scriptures. This was all part of God's big plan. More than that, do you notice that he's saying that it was a purposeful plan? Do you see that? Christ died for our sins. See, the reason that we experience fear at the face uh, as we think about um Death and judgment is precisely because we are all sinners who commit sin. All of us. Sin that alienates us from God and makes us enemies with God. And that's exactly why Jesus came and died. He came to rescue us from our sins. He came to save us from the eternal consequences of our sins. I mean, back to the Coast Guards, what I discovered from that movie was the motto of the US Coast Guards and this is the motto that others may live I think that's brilliant they put their lives on the line that others may live that in essence is what Paul is saying here that Christ put his life on the line that we may live he paid the penalty of our sins so that we may live. He paid the penalty of our sins so that we don't have to experience the judgment of God for our sins. He takes our place. He died for our sins. And that's what Paul preached to them. And an essential part of his preaching was not only the death of Jesus, but his resurrection. He really died. That's the significance of being buried, isn't it? You don't bury people who are alive. You bury dead people. Well, Jesus was buried... And then that body that was buried was raised to life again, in new resurrection life. And Paul was certain that this happened, even though it was such an improbable thing, because of all the eyewitnesses, because all the people who actually saw it. Verse 5, he appeared to Peter, uh, the disciple, and the rest of the original disciples. They had seen the empty tomb, And we've met with the risen Jesus. Then look at verse 6. He appeared to more than 500 people at one time. And at the time that Paul's writing, he said, well, you know, most of these guys are still alive. If you doubt me, go and have a chat to them. I can give you their addresses. You can go and speak to them. Verse 7. He appeared to James, most likely the brother of Jesus, and to all the apostles. Now, it could be that we have that sort of intellectual snobbery that says, well, uh, people back there were very gullible. They, they wanted to believe these sort of things. They believed, you know, people popped out of the grave all the time. And let me say, if you think like that, you don't understand the first century context. Uh, there's a great book by uh, Tim Keller called The Reason for God. And in his chapter on the resurrection, uh, he, he, he relies heavily on the work of N.T. Wright, who is now uh, up in Durham, who points out that, uh, To all the dominant worldviews of the time, nobody was expecting an individual person to rise from the dead. Nobody. It didn't fit the Greco-Roman thought. It did not fit the Jewish way of thinking. And for different reasons to our own time, the bodily resurrection of Jesus would have seemed just as improbable as it does today. Do you know what? They knew that dead people didn't rise from the dead. They knew that. They may not have had... Uh, iPads, but they knew that. They didn't have Wikipedia, but they knew that, right? And yet, within a few days of the death of Jesus, the Christian community suddenly adopted a brand new set of beliefs that was resurrection centered and said that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, that is such an amazing sociological fact that uh, both Christian, non Christian um, historians and sociologists scratch their heads and wonder well what what was it that suddenly caused this group of people to believe this truth in the first century and I want to say the most likely reason is because it really happens that Jesus really rose from the dead we are talking about the Balkan war because it was something that you couldn't forget talking about the Falcons war 30 years ago because that's something you don't forget you don't forget memorable events Let me tell you, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this event. It really happened. Without it, there's no good news. But because of it, there is hope in the face of death. You can have pictures with all your wrinkles and blemishes. You don't have to look immortal. There is hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, what I hope to do, Lord willing, is that next Easter, I'll look at the next bit of 1 Corinthians 15. But, let's look ahead at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Do you see how pivotal the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is? If he's not raised, then... The Christian faith is just a waste of time and you're still in your sins. It's pathetic, the Christian faith, if there's no resurrection. And when we die, we are lost facing God's judgment. But verse 20 tells us that that grim possibility is not the case. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. The resurrection of Jesus means that we have a genuine faith that our sins are forgiven, and that when we die, we do so in the certain hope that we'll participate in the future resurrection, sharing a body just like Jesus' body. And so you should never let go of the gospel that saves, never let go of the gospel about Jesus Christ, and lastly, never let go of the gospel that changes lives. Now, there may well be people here today, and you're not yet a Christian, you're not, you're not yet fully convinced, but you're, you're interested, you're investigating. You're investigating. And one of the pieces of evidence about the resurrection that I would urge you to consider today would be all the lives of people changed by the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And exhibit number one is the Apostle Paul himself, the one who's writing this letter. After a long list of all the people who saw Jesus alive, he then says in verse 8 that Jesus appeared to him. And that experience just turned his whole life uh, upside down. What was he like before he met the resurrected Jesus? Well, verse 9. I persecuted the church of God. So certain he was that this was a dangerous, false message. He went about um, hunting down Christians, throwing them into prison, approving of their death. He persecuted the Christian church. And what did he become? Well, look at verse 11. This is what we now preach he's a preacher a passionate preacher of the christian gospel it's an incredible change isn't it? a persecutor becomes a preacher of the very gospel that he persecuted now how do you explain this we well, can only explain it by this one thing paul says he met the risen lord jesus christ it turned his life around he says i experienced god's grace he deserved judgment because of his sins, his persecution, but he experienced grace and mercy and forgiveness, and he just, he just lived his whole life out of the thankfulness and joy of that experience. And if you're not a Christian here today, then uh, I want to say to you that you are actually surrounded by people here whose lives are being changed by the risen Lord Jesus Christ. This is... Not something just stopped in the first century. This has continued right down to the centuries. In fact, this church is here today because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And there are lives of people here who have been changed and are being changed by the risen Christ. Now, during, during this talk so far, about 3,600 people have died. And one day it could well be me. One day, it could well be you. And my question today is simply this. On what are you basing your hope and confidence? Is it in this gospel that saves? Is it in this gospel about Jesus Christ? Is it in this gospel that changes lives? And if it's not, can I urge you to to investigate this very seriously? If you've got any questions, why not think about the Christianity Explored course. There's a, well, the banner's gone there, but um, we've got little cards, little invite cards here. It's going to start on April the 17th at Costa Coffee in Hanover Street, just down the road from here. Uh, it's an informal event, an event where you can um, ask all the questions you've got and, and if you're not a Christian and you're investing and this would be a brilliant course to go on to why don't you sign up for that course but maybe you aren't a Christian but you are convinced you know it's the right thing and yet you've not trusted Christ and I want to say to you why don't you grab hold of the gospel today this is such good news. Why don't you grab hold of that, of that life harness today? And all you have to do to do that is simply talk to God. There's a, there's a prayer I'm going to put up on the screen there. And the, the, put it up there, David. And really the prayer just simply says, Sorry, thank you, and please. Sorry that I've sinned against you. I know I deserve death. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for all my sins and through his resurrection to give me eternal life. Please forgive me and change me to put Jesus first. Maybe, maybe there's a number of people today and you want to receive this gospel that saves today. Why don't you bow your heads. And uh, I'm going to pray this prayer slowly and leave a gap and maybe you could pray it in your own quietness of your own heart and mind. Father God, I am sorry that I've sinned against you. I know I deserve death. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for all my sins. Through his resurrection, to give me eternal life. Please forgive me. Please change me to put Jesus first.